Hello, dear listener. This is a very special day for Thank You Places. First of all, it is special because it features our stage manager, Kay Boschman. I, Jacob C. McDonald, the other host is Chris J.M. Maloney, you know that by now, sat down with Kay to discuss the different aspects of stage management and to discuss the delicate task of managing personalities in the cast and crew of any show and in the cast and crew of this show. Speaking of this show, though, the other reason this episode is special is that the day it airs, the day you may or may not be listening to this, depending on how ferociously you attack your podcast feed each day, Friday, August 4th, all this is to say is the day we get on a plane, on a couple of planes, and fly to Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival. Um, we could not be more excited. Thank you to everyone who helped us get to this point, either by your financial or emotional support, by being a fan of and friend to Ghost Light Players. It means more than I can express on this podcast, so take that as you will. Before I get any further in throwing the episode over to the interview, I do want to give a warning to the superstitious that during the course of this interview, the name of a particular play is mentioned. So if you are physically inside a theater and very weird about that kind of thing, maybe wait to listen. Maybe. I don't know. But without any further ado, I bring you to our interview with yes, Kay. My name is Kim Boschman, although I go by Kay, and I'm the stage manager of Hamlet. I'm also the managing director of Ghostlight Players, the company, and that's me. That's our subtitle, the company. The company? The oh. company. The, I don't think that... I think everyone has a general idea of what a stage manager does, but not a full one. But rather than ask you to sort of give a synopsis of what your job is. I was wondering if there is anything that non-theater folks tend to assume is your job that is not what stage managing is. You know, every time I tell people that I'm a stage manager for community theater, people are, they're, they give me that weird look, like, I kind of know what you're talking about, but they don't really. And, you know, I think they have some expectations about doing something in the dark and it sounded bad, didn't it? I didn't mean it to sound out of context. That's really bad. Anyway, Are you an that's assassin? not what I meant. <laughs> I'm an assassin. You know, I think they, they think we have headsets and we tell people what to do, and that's you know what a stage manager does. And calling the show, which you know basically is kind of running the lights and the sound, and or not myself running it, but calling when those things go on and off is a pretty important part of a stage manager's job. But I think the job in general, the part that most people don't know, even people in theater especially at the community level, sometimes don't understand that a stage manager's job is way more than all of that. 
Um, that's the kind of fun part at the end, but the biggest part of my role and the, where I add the most value as a stage manager, I think, is around managing people, whether it's managing the production team, at least the technical side of, you know, the costumers or the props people, the, the, the people that report to the, up to through the technical side versus creative side, or the cast, which they have their own flavor of concerns, questions, issues, troubles, drama, and even sometimes managing the director so that to make sure that their vision is kind of in line with what we can possibly do technically, especially at the community theater level in the space that we're in, just to make sure that, you know, the vision doesn't get too big for the show or the space and, and kind of be that same voice of reason to kind of keep everything contained from a technical aspect. So it's kind of what I do. In previous episodes of the podcast, we've we've sort of touched on the issue of the physical size of our performance space for Fringe. Mm. And the fact that this is is a, a re-gathering of the show. What sort of flavor would you say this cast has in, the cast and crew has in comparison to other shows you've worked on? So there's a couple of aspects when you think about the differences. And the differences for me specifically as a stage manager. Um, the, 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 on the cast side, it's been great because I've worked with everyone before. They know what I expect. I know what they're dealing with. And um, everyone in this cast in particular, and I think one of the reasons why we're taking this to Fringe, the cast is spectacular from a people standpoint, from a responsibility standpoint. Like everyone's really, really good in this cast. Very mature. Even though we have young people in the cast, they're all mature actors and they're, they're a pleasure to work with. The space is an interesting challenge. When we first did Hamlet, of course, we did it in the round here in our little space at the at the church here. And that was a kind of a nightmare for me because we kind of reversed everything that I'm, I was used to in the space and we had to change, turn everything around. Physically. Um, physically, yes. And bring in risers for the audience and it was just crazy. Doing it in a small space, I think it's more of a challenge for Kat, the director, than me. It's, it's well... I say that now, but, uh, you know, there's not a ton for me to do leading up to the Fringe, uh, festival because I can't do anything except come up with my breakdowns and my cue lists. I can't actually practice anything or set up the board or set up lights or all I have is the information that they've given me for the space. And so we've kind of had to do a lot of thinking about what we're going to do once we get there in the short amount of time we have to prepare. Getting all of our cast on stage at one time has been a challenge, I think, for Kat. Figuring out how that's going to work. We have the sword fight, which, you know, we have a low clearance. That's going to be super interesting. Uh, I think we just shortened our swords so that we don't hit the ceiling when we're in Triplerites and Hamlet are fighting at the end. Not a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Um, Earning that E. So, yeah, so it, it, I guess my only challenge is not having, not being in the space ahead of time, not knowing what to expect when I get there, but trying to be as prepared as possible. But otherwise, I think, you know, the space and, and shortening it to 90 minutes, quite different, but still the same cast though. So it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just different, different challenge. We're always trying to challenge ourselves. Every year we have to learn a new lesson. Yes, one of these times we won't learn anything <laughs> It'll new. It'll be so nice. Because we'll know everything worth knowing. <clears throat> this sounds like a horrific Greek curse. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't learn something and a minotaur appears. <laughs> we'll see. We'll minotaur? Because of Greece. Yeah, yeah, I know. Greece, minotaurs. Could uh, be a hydra, I guess. I don't know. Oh, there you go. I see, know. I like that better. Very well. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> it is good to decide. 
Kat, in her director's special episode, talked a little bit about building the ensemble that is the cast and, and tends to be the atmosphere we shoot for in each of Ghostlight's shows. That's a, an important part of what we do. How does that process look from your point of view? Where does it start? And if you want to use Hamlet's cast as an example, that works beautifully. Yeah, so a lot of that work is done on Kat's side, I think, as a director, but I, I kind of try to set the stage early for her in the that beginning. That one is a metaphor, just for those following along. <laughs> yeah, set the stage. Oh yeah, that's pretty funny. Anyway, <laughs> uh, set the stage. So I, you know, in the first rehearsal, you know, and with this cast, like all casts, we go through uh, our policies and our, our expectations as a production team and go through schedules and all that stuff. And I really kind of make sure that everyone understands what we're trying to do, how we're trying to do it, the expectations, see if anyone has concerns, and then create a space where there are no surprises and there is trust between the cast and the production team and the director or whatever. And as, especially as a stage manager, as the rehearsal process goes on, I try to insulate the director from the cast and any issues that are going on so that she, is, you know, if, if the cast is talking and she's trying to do something, I'm usually the bad guy um, to tell them to be quiet or I'm usually the bad guy always, whether you think it's bad or not. I'm, I'm the one that's trying to maintain order and delivering the difficult messages because I want the cast to maintain that trust with the director so that they can both work together to build an ensemble. Um, not again with the cast itself, but also with the director. Cause it's such a, a key part, especially the way Kat does it. She's kind of like the person that you never see that's actually a part of the cast. Cause it's kind of like the glue that kind of molds them together. Um, but as long as you, I feel as long as you can create that safe space where everyone knows what's going on and what's expected, then they can, be honest with each other, create that ensemble feel, trust each other, and uh, really bring a show to a different, to a higher level because of it. You you mentioned a lot of your job is is building that that safe space and and sort of prepping for when we eventually make it to the actual stage itself. If you were to suggest a sort of grab bag of the essential things that a stage manager needs to get a production successful whether they be physical items or just abstract concepts that could fit in a metaphorical bag. Um, <laughs> attributes. What would be the top five things you would say need to be there to make sure a show happens well? Uh, the cast. <laughs> I'm not going to say the director, although Kat will probably kill me. But uh, once we get there, we don't need her anymore. Oh, she's the invisible glue. Yeah, exactly. The invisible glue. It'll be, that'll be glued together by then. So, uh... The cast, my prompt book, along with all the breakdowns and cue sheets and paper, lots of paper. That's a tough question, Chris. Sorry. All right. Well, 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 well I, need, I need my crew, definitely my, my crew, um, to run all the things. Because I don't actually do anything during the show. I just tell people what to do. Which, in the dark. In the dark. Right. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, which involves knowing all of the things that need to be done. Yes. yes, and in what order and at what time. And also managing weird, crazy emergency problems that happen during the show. <laughs> Which has happened on occasion. Um, and uh, and I, uh, yes, I need to be available to handle anything that comes up during the time. So usually I'm calling the show and basically that involves either telling somebody next to me to do something or... So yeah, so my crew, so that's three, right? 
not gonna say props because you really you don't need props. What you know, stuff. So this is grab bag stuff. I have to take over with me, or do they? Can they be things that are over there? They can be things you pick up there. Right. An audience. Haha, <laughs> how do you like that? Well, we can get very philosophical <laughs> I know, right? about that question. I know. I would prefer an audience, so I would say that was an essential for me to be happy uh, and enjoy myself. Am I forgetting anything that's like totally obvious that I'm missing? Well, you touched on something that I can repurpose into one of the answers if you'd like okay. to call it to phone a friend, which is just that uh, that adaptability in being able to take in stride whatever weird thing suddenly yeah. needs to be fixed right away. Yeah. Agility. The ability to pivot. Yes. Pivotability. <laughs> Pivotability. I like that word. Good word. Five. Pivotability. Yeah, there you go. That might be the name of this episode. We'll <laughs> Pivotability. There <find> <laughs> you go. You alluded to, and I just re-alluded to, <laughs> emergencies. And yeah. you've also talked about the imperative to be sort of that shield for the director mm -hmm. about various problems that come up <laughs> what are if you wanted to give like a bird's eye view of the kinds of problems you mean when i was referring to this before just a second ago i was talking about emergencies during a show and we've had some interesting moments especially when they like things falling on cast members while they're on stage and that was one time that was one time but uh, as far as, you know, shielding cat, there has been, there have been moments when there have been fights that have broken out between cast members in past shows and managing that situation and containing it. Fights and, as in squabbles or as in fisticuffs? We no, don't talk about fisticuffs. squabbles, perhaps, you know, people that have had perhaps had a romance that no longer cared to do so, mm. creating or losing a certain chemistry that they once had because their characters, you know, had it in a show and then they end up fighting and then we lose the chemistry from their performance. And having to manage situations like that and kind of keeping Kat out of that mess and not really telling her about it until after I've dealt with it, which is usually what I try to do. But it's stuff like that. People, you know, when people struggle with their lines and I have to, you know, either work with them or figure out what's going on with their lives, what they need to succeed or, or to get better or to learn their minds or manage something. I, I kind of, I, I sometimes play a little bit of a psychologist, which is a little odd. Like I, I try to keep myself out of that role, but you know, some people just need an ear and have to like think through their problems out loud to, especially when you talk about acting, because you know, it's such a, you know, I could never do it and I never, I've never really done it. I'm not really a stage person. I'm much more a behind-the-scenes kind of person. But when you're talking about acting, I mean, they, like, lay themselves out there, like, just bare and vulnerable. And sometimes I think some of the issues that they're dealing with in their personal lives or their real lives, I should say, it, it can kind of be a barrier. And sometimes I have to talk people through some of that stuff so that they can get beyond that and bring the amazing performance that I know that they're capable of onto the stage. That's, I think, one of my favorite... I think that's why I do this, because I certainly don't do it for the money. Uh, but, uh, when Kat got me in the, Kat's the one that got me in the, you know, first assistant directing in film and then stage management in theater, which is kind of terrifying when you've never done it before, but I love being part of the process that watches something that's not even, like, created. Like, just, you know, there's a group of people that we've managed to put together that have no connection, or maybe a few of them know each other, but, and, and to create something from nothing 
and watch that progression of an actor. Especially, you know, when we're community theater, so we do a lot of, you know, we sometimes, and Kat's great at this, we sometimes cast people who have no experience or very little theater experience or they've been out of theater for like 20 years. I think you talked to Jonathan and, you know, he's yes. one of those cases. And we give opportunities to people because Kat's really good at seeing potential in actors and to help be part of the process that educates them and supports them as they go from knowing very little um, to being a phenomenal performer. I just love that whole process and I love seeing people succeed on stage. I totally respect what they do. I can never do it myself, but I have utmost respect for people that actually get up there and just put themselves out there. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. And I love being at least my small part of the supporting process. So it sounds like you'd much rather organize a hit than stand in as an understudy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. There'll be no understudying for me. Jacob's got it. Yeah, Jacob's got yes. it. He's understudy extraordinaire. Not freaking out about it at all. I know, right? I actually even hate like reading in rehearsal. <laughs> Or standing in for somebody who's missing in rehearsal. It's very uncomfortable for me. It's definitely not my comfort zone. So I'm much happier to have Jacob do it for me. It's good like that. So we'll be very sure to be off book. <laughs> yeah, Jacob. Yeah, get on books. I'm working on it. <laughs> good. Wait, does that mean you're memorizing the entire show? Only only like four parts. The age-appropriate <laughs> men's parts. What he has to do is learn the sword fights. Or not the sword fight, the, the fighting. One one thing that it occurs to me might be interesting to deal with from a, a managing people standpoint is that anyone who's been in shows more than one, at more than one company, has, has experienced the sort of clickiness that mm. has a danger of happening. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on that? And do you do anything to navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's also a tough one. And I, I think that we've actually experienced that in a couple of past shows. It's, it's a tough thing to battle, um, especially when you have people who have been in shows previously with other people that are in the cast and they already kind of have their instant click, you know, because they know each other and da, da da As a stage manager, the first thing I do when we cast the show is I... Very creepy, yeah, I know. But it's my secret to... Knowing everything that's going on with cats. Don't tell anybody. Shh. I'll have to bleep that out too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we've experienced it a couple times in the past. We, Kat and I have talked about this a couple times. After it's already started, it's kind of hard to manage. And you kind of have to do the best you can to continue building that ensemble and building that trust. Again, a couple times it's kind of gotten away from us. But right out of the gate, I think, especially uh, as the years have gone on we try right out of right in the beginning of rehearsals to kind of put in bonding kind of exercises um so that the cast can immediately get to know each other get comfortable with each other share personal information with each other uh like you know just stuff that they're willing to share obviously so that they can kind of start building that bond and and kind of get rid of any opportunities for clickiness because if you if you have everyone getting to know each other and laughing and having fun usually you can avoid those separate groups from 
really forming. And we, you know, so, you know, on the flip side though, Jacob, we actually kind of done the opposite as well. Like sometimes when we need two characters to kind of connect at a higher level, we ask them to go on what we call character dates. They're not actually dates, but like go to dinner one night and spend time getting to know each other and that sort of thing. And not that we're trying to create a click, but we want to create that connection that the two have. And the more they know about each other as people, I think that can come out on stage as well. So I'm not really sure that answers your question, but it's definitely a challenge. Absolutely. And it's just something I try to avoid. We try to avoid as much as possible. Has there ever been a situation come up that while you were in the middle of managing it, you just sort of went, this is absolutely insane. Is this even really happening? How? Yeah. Uh, so in my mind, I feel like I my tech weeks go fairly smoothly. And I will look to you guys to affirm that I'm not delusional. We are nodding. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> they know that I'll hit them later if they don't. That's the secret is fear. Fear. That's kind of how I do my job. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, although people do seem to think I'm scary, but I'm just, I'm just firm, gentle but firm. So we've got allusions to being the bad guy. <laughs> Assassin. Dark assassinations. <laughs> Sex fear. <laughs> and impl- implicit confirmation. Good. Yeah. So what was the question? Technically. <laughs> oh, technically. Technically, Yeah. So. Uh, the first time that Kat and I, so we, when we first started the company, we had a, a technical guy, Jeff Boisseau, who was amazing, and he helped us with a bunch of our first shows, because we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Um, and the first show that we decided to do by ourselves was Macbeth. Can I say that here? Backers. It's not a theater. Yeah, it's not a theater. Macbeth. And, uh... Don't listen to this podcast in a theater. We'll put a disclaimer <laughs> on the episode. Right. <laughs> it's like when you warn people there's going to be adult language, but instead it's just the Beth. name of the play. <laughs> yeah. The Scottish play. Oh, how appropriate. So, yeah, my tech weeks pretty, you go pretty smoothly, and we usually have a plan, and, you know, lots of planning in the beginning make for smooth tech weeks. And that's my motto. Except this one didn't go well. Like, the lighting, oh my god, it was just... I don't know what we were thinking. But the lighting for Macbeth, it turned out fine, but, like, in the midst of it, I lost my bleep. <laughs> um, I, look, I just edited that out for you. Thank you. Isn't that nice? So yeah, so I lost it. I definitely, it's the only time that I can remember like, I was like oh my God, Kat, I can't, this is never going to work. It was like crazy and we should cancel the show. And you know, it was a bad week. There's a lot going on. We, as always, persevered. And now we like, you know, stuff like that happens now, like just as bad. And I'm like, Somehow we'll get through this. We always make it to the show. Um, and, you know, I think that's really helpful bringing it back to Hamlet and Fringe. Like, I have no control over anything until we get there. I even have very little control of anything once we get there. Um, I can't touch the lights. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, we have, like, five minutes to get in the space and get ready. Wee! But because of all those things that have happened, like you asked about, like, in that, in that particular instance, I feel like somehow we'll get the show and it'll be fine and we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, it's been a good learning experience. Moments like that. Pivotability. How I learned to love the... Bomb is the wrong word, but that's the original word. Yes, how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Is that... <laughs> sure. You probably shouldn't... We're doing an episode with bomb. Stanley Kubrick thing there. <laughs> so just to recap, 
tech was going smoothly for Ghost Light players until Jacob joined the company. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. It was you. Good to know. It was Good you. to know. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. That was my first production with Ghost Light. Were you there when I had like my, my little meltdown? I remember being there when Kat was having a meltdown and she thought no one else was in the room <laughs> and she was just talking aloud to herself and I just sort of came and comforted her. Yeah. It's bad when your stage manager and director both have meltdowns in the same tech week. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Maybe she was talking to the ghost light. Perhaps. Harold? Harold. Did you know that our ghost light is named Harold? You mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Our ghost light is named Harold. I think Jacob named him, actually. He had the honor. The privilege. The duty. (laughs) The The Marines. (laughs) (laughs) And Harold. All right, we are nearing the time where you should be doing a stage manager thing. Do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom or wishes or fears for the show once the show is actually going up? You know, it's, it's funny. I listen to your podcast and you always ask people these last like, parting words. I'm like, oh my God, it's terrifying. Like, now I'm here. Now I'm here. Um, but I have something. Um, you just made me think of it. Like my one big fear going to Fringe have to say is like because it's happened to me in the past here locally and it has definitely trimmed years of my life is somebody come for 15 or so on some day when we're at the fringe not showing up because they either got lost on the what do they call the tea there like the metro or whatever or they were sightseeing in scotland and they've disappeared or they got kidnapped by crazy europeans yeah biggest fear somebody not showing up I hadn't even considered being kidnapped as one of my things I should be concerned about. And suddenly I'm terrified. <laughs> my Nana warned me that there's an outbreak of people being robbed while camping in Scotland. Hmm. I don't know why she told me this because we won't be camping. So I'm just saying, aren't we staying in a building? We're staying in a building. You know, my biggest fear should be your biggest fear too because that means you'd have to be the understudy Unless... for the kidnapped individual. Unless it was Anne. Unless it was Anne. Or Michelle. But in my mind, it's going to be a guy, so. All right. <laughs> it's probably going to be me now. I'll start practicing Guildenstern's lines. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be you. Totally. You've got, like, 12 to learn. Good luck. <laughs> you just have to look really concerned and, like, you're in the wrong place the whole show. Yeah, that's pretty much all you do, isn't it? Like, I am not... I don't want to be here, and I'm not supposed to be here. He also makes little sounds that are... Uh, like sounds of consternation. <laughs> like that. Right. So this uh, sign-off will sound familiar because, as you may have pieced together, Kay is the voice in the introduction to this podcast that calls for places because that's the stage manager's job generally, and who better to do that? All right. <laughs> one minute, guys. Thank, Thank you, one. one. And thank you for listening to Thank You Places, hosted by us, Julianen and Ariana Grifferman. Today's guest was Kim Boshemin. Music written and produced by Four Paws. Oh. Special thanks to the First Church in Marlboro. And to Chris J.M. Maroney Bear. And Yaakov C. McDonwald. Hmm. Huh? Close, Close enough. enough. 
We love you! Congratulations! Get on board. This has been a production of Ghost Life Slayers. Slayers. A non-profit, a non-profit theater, theater troupe from Marlboro, Marlboro Massachusetts. Massachusetts. If you liked what you heard here, you'll, you'll love, love the other things we make. Visit www.ghostlightplayers.com or find us on the newfangled social media at Slayers. Bye. Ciao. Exit stage. Adieu, adieu, remember me or whatever. Okay, so we've got 10 minutes. So it's 10 minutes. So I will give you guys 10. Okay. No, you need to give us one. <laughs> Why? Because the gimmick is that we have one minute then to do the wrap up for the episode. Wow. Oh, well, she thinks.